And if that means move us out of the way, then God, so be it. We love you. We bless you. We keep you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Monday night, we talked about wasting our lives watching the clock and asking what's next. Rather than numbering our days and gaining a heart of wisdom. That's our theme for this summer and this year is Psalm 9012, which says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That's a promise of God, and every promise of God is yes and amen. And the only ones that we don't know and we don't embrace and we don't walk out, it is because it's on us. Because we choose to not do that. Teach us to number our days, God, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Tuesday, we talked about Samson and his wasted potential for God because when we listen to the voice of the enemy over the voice of God, we not only lose our strength, but we lose our ability to see. When we listen to the voice of God, the voice of the enemy over the voice of God, we lose not only our strength, but our ability to see. Last night we talked about when we dig up dead things looking for life, we gain a heart of foolishness. When we dig up dead things looking for life or something to satisfy or or something to fill a need deep on the inside of us, we waste our lives and we gain a heart of foolishness. Tonight, this is what we're talking on. We don't number our days when we don't trust God with our journey. And when we don't trust Him with our journey, we choose to stay bound. We don't number our days when we don't trust God with our journey. And when we don't trust God with our journey, we choose to stay bound. I want to share with you guys tonight about the Israelites. And I love the Israelites because, you know, when I was a kid and I read their story, I thought, man, they are some stubborn, knuckleheaded, blooming idiots. But the older I get, the more I realize just how like the Israelites I am. Stubborn, stiff-necked, hard-hearted. Wanting to always do things on my own terms. And the Israelites... You can find their story in the book of Exodus. Personally, I think it's one of the most exciting books of the Bible. I love the book of Exodus. And the Israelites were God's people and they were enslaved. And they cried out to God. They had to make bricks by hand. And the people, the Egyptians, treated them poorly. And they beat them. And they they didn't say, hey, thank you, Israelite, for making a brick today. This is a fantastic brick. They were mean to them. And the the Israelites were bound. They were slaves. And and the Bible says that they cried out to God. And so God would raise up a leader by the name of Moses to go and set the Israelites free. And it began this incredible journey. From slavery to freedom, there were plagues. God would send plagues, like plagues of bugs, man. I would have been tripping. Plagues of someone at the pool today said, Tara, hold still. You got something on you. I said, man, this cat just tried to hit me. Ain't no way there's no bug on me. But sure enough, there's like a 10-pound wasp on me, man. And I'm glad I let my friend hit me for once. Um, And and so there were plagues.
plagues, and God would send plagues. He would send like billions of frogs all over the land because he was trying to get Pharaoh's attention. See, God will do anything he can to get your attention. He will do anything he can to get your attention. And he'll keep repeating the same lesson again and again until you and I get it. And he'll keep saying the same message again and again until you and I listen because he's a good, good father and he loves his children. He's not trying to be annoying. He just loves you and he wants what's best for you. So there were plagues and there was Pharaoh, this evil ruler, and there was the Red Sea. You guys know the story. The the Egyptians were behind him and the Israelites were trying to get out of Dodge and there's this giant Red Sea in front of him. And so the Israelites are like, oh no, what are we going to do? Hit the panic button. And Moses is like, hey God, did you forget about us? And God is like, just go, I'm with you. And God like totally parts the Red Sea, which I just learned was actually about nine miles. Which is like the equivalent of me from walking to my cabin to the cafeteria. It feels like nine miles this week at camp. Maybe it doesn't feel like nine miles to you. I thought it was a sprint, right? It was nine miles. But sometimes when God does a miraculous for you and I, it feels short-lived. Doesn't it? How quickly you and I forget the blessings that God has done for us. How quickly you and I forget the good things and the faithfulness of God in our lives. And so they go across the Red Sea, and the Bible says that as soon as the Israelites were out of the water, God closed the Red Sea, and all of the Egyptians drowned. That's incredible. That is some serious power. And so from the Red Sea, God would rain down manna, which was like uh, bread, because the Israelites were hungry, and there was no 7-Eleven with slurpees on the way. And so God's like, hey, I'm going to hook you up. And he would rain down fresh bread from heaven. And he would cause there to be fresh drinking water and a rock to the point where he told Moses, Moses, strike the rock with your staff. And Moses did. And there was water for the Israelites to drink. Because, see, God always takes care of his children. God always takes care of his children. So the Israelites who once were slaves are now free and are getting out of Dodge and they have literally seen miracle after miracle after miracle. I mean, come on, fresh bread raining from heaven? That was like cloudy with a chance of meatballs long before that movie existed. You know what I'm saying? God hooked it up time and time again. Even when the Israelites weren't faithful to God, God was faithful to them because that is who he is. And his character is not based on how you and I live our lives and everyone said amen I mean this story would play out entirely different wouldn't it if God's character or mood or temperament or personality changed on how you and I are right gosh I'd be up a creek without a paddle God would be grumpy all the time You'd be like, oh, tear salty. I don't be salty. Whatever, tear, fend for yourself, you know? <laughs> but that's not who he is. He's the unchanging God, and he loves us. And so the Israelites are on this incredible journey from slavery to freedom. Moses. Moses goes up on the mountain to chill with God and to get the next set of instructions. It was the first dad and donuts, you know what I'm saying? Moses on the mountaintop, chilling with God the Father. And God is actually telling Moses what the Ten Commandments are going to be. And it says 
that God actually engraved the Ten Commandments on a stone with his finger. That's amazing. That is super cool. Someone reproduce that. They have it. They won't. I'm just saying. And so, but the Israelites are down below. And what happens is they get impatient because the Israelites want a God who will lead them into freedom, but the Israelites want it to be done on their terms, on their rules, and on their timing. Since when do you and I get to call the shots with God? Is he God or is he not? Do you really think that God needs our help or input as to how to make things happen? Honestly. Like everyone say, time out. Do a heart check with me. How many of you have ever tried to tell God how to do things? Okay, there's 17 of us for the rest of you. Fantastic. Maybe your arms are tired from being bound. I don't know. But we do this all the time, right? We're like, hey, God, um, that's real sweet of you to think of doing it that way, but how about we do it this way? And God the whole time is like, really, Tara? <laughs> okay, I'll prove you wrong. Ten years ago, I drove to San Angelo, Texas for the first time from the middle of Illinois. There was snow on the ground where I was when I left. And the further south I drove, the hotter it get, the higher my AC went. And I thought the jokes, uh, I thought the signs on the bridge that said be careful of ice was a big joke. I'd never been to Texas. And holy cow, it was hot. But for the entire 24-hour drive, do you know what I did? I said, God, this is all wrong. You have got this wrong. This is going to be a big mistake. This is going to be a disaster. Well, guess who was wrong? Yours truly. Thanks for answering that question, not any of my others. You guys are awesome. But we do this all the time. And so Moses is on the top mountaintop with God getting the instructions. The Israelites are down below. And they say, man, we need a new God. And so Aaron, the leader, is like, well, give me your gold. And so everyone starts handing them his gold, and they throw it into the fire. And the Bible says that when, when the gold came out of the fire, that Aaron shaped it and formed it into the shape of a calf. And it says that as soon as he did that, the Israelites bowed down and worshipped and said, this will be our God who will lead us into freedom. Everyone's like, hold up. Does that sound crazy to anyone else, or is it just me? Crazy. But everyone say, time out. You and I do that all the time with social media, in our smartphones, in our friends, in our boyfriends, in our girlfriends. Because we don't like how God does things. And so instead of waiting on God, instead of doing things God's way, instead of trusting the process with Him, we take matters into our own hands. And we say, it's going to be my way. Like, the ultimate Burger King is my way. Because I'm not having it your way, sir. I'm going to do things my way. And we do this all the time. We were just like the Israelites. They wanted a God to lead them. But they wanted a God to lead them on their schedule. So the Israelites ended up saying this. We would be better off dead. Take us back to Egypt. We're done. This is done. God has led us out here to die. And we're not having it. Take us back to Egypt. And some of you will say that very thing when you go home. Because it's going to be hard. It's absolutely going to suck. You're going to be tempted. You're going to be made fun of. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be persecuted. 
something that you've been praying for for a long time isn't going to happen and it's going to crush your heart into a billion little pieces. And when that happens, you will have a choice how you respond. Either God is still good and God is still worthy and God still sits on his throne and he's still faithful and his word is still true or you're going to say, take me back to Egypt. I'd be better off dead. I've said it myself. This longing to go back to a land of captivity. God, if I could just go back and get drunk one more time. God, if I could just go back and get high one more time. I've said it again and again and again because I'm caught in this tension between freedom and slavery. Because sometimes I don't trust God with the process. And when I don't trust God with the process, I choose to stay bound. I choose to stay bound. That becomes the anthem of our lives when we find ourselves in the wilderness. When you go home, someone you love dies. Someone you love gets cancer. Someone you love gets a divorce. Your best friend stabs you in the back and turns and walks away. And instead of that being like a promised land and a land flowing with milk and honey, it's a wilderness. And you're lonely. And you're scared. And you're tired. And you're frustrated. And you're discouraged. And then here comes all these lies in your head about, man, house of faith is whack. And they don't like me. And they just judge me. And then they just hate on me. I'm not going to go to 321. I, I don't care. I got too much homework. And on and on the story goes. And your anthem in the wilderness becomes, I'd be better off dead back in Egypt. And that is literally the thing that you and I are going to face when we go home from this place. Because as hot as it's been, and as hard as it's been, and as tired as we are, man, camp is awesome. You guys have incredible small group leaders. The cream of the crop. I loved falling asleep to guitar music in the cabin last night. It was amazing. You know, these guys would do anything for you. You guys have an incredible worship band. I mean, that doesn't get better. And it's been like a mountaintop experience, but what I'm trying to tell you is you're going to go home, and it's going to be like a valley of dry bones. It's going to be like a wilderness, and you're going to want to quit, and you're going to want to give up, and you're going to think that everything that happened this week was a scam, but I'm telling you, it's not you have to trust the process. Because when you and I don't trust God with our journey, when you and I don't trust the process of God, we choose to stay bound. It's incredibly uncomfortable for you to sit with your hands tied tonight. See it in your faces. It's a distraction. You're antsy, you're anxious. You can't worship like you want to. You, you can't take notes like you want to. What will your anthem be when you go home? You can choose to stay bound, or you can walk out of here completely free in and through Jesus Christ. It was about two years ago, I was in a really dark place. Really dark place. It was a Friday night, and um, I was just swallowed up with darkness and consumed with sin. 
And I remember texting my roommate that night. And I said, I just don't even want to live anymore. I'm in a really dark place. And I prayed before I went to bed. And nothing happened. I slept. And I woke up the next morning and I was still in that dark place. And I prayed. And I said, God, you have got to do something because I can't live like this. Please. And I heard him clearly say, Tara, get in your word. See, I hadn't picked up my Bible in a couple weeks. Real talk. Sure did pick up my phone plenty of times, but didn't pick up my Bible. And my Bible was marked where I had last left it. And I happened to be in Exodus chapter 13. And it says this again and again. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. For by a strong hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. By a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. Slavery. For by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. So I prayed. I said, God, please, by your strong hand, deliver me. And he gave me a vision. A vision is like a a picture in your head. It's like a dream during the day. And, And this hasn't happened a lot in my life. But in my vision... I saw a row of jail cells and they were cold and dark and dingy. They were disgusting. And each one represented a different area of darkness in my life. Depression. Unforgiveness. Bitterness and resentment. Lust. Addiction. And I'm sitting in that first jail cell And I'm kind of tucked away in a corner sitting on the bench and I'm in rags. And I'm all alone. And I hear some keys. The next thing I see is Jesus walk by and he looks at me and he kind of gives me a half smile. You know what I'm talking about? He kind of looks at me with one of these. He's like, actually it was better than that. But he looked at me and I, I was ashamed and I was embarrassed. And he had the kindest eyes of love. And he literally said, Tara, what are you doing in there? You don't belong there. And he literally took the keys and he unlocked the jail cell. And not only did he do that, not only did he come and visit me in my darkest place, not only did he show up when I thought I was all alone and forgotten, but he brought me a change of clothes. You know how it is. Come on. Some of y'all be wearing the same outfit you wore on Monday. You can't wait to get home and put on a fresh pair of clothes. But it wasn't just any set of clothes. He brought me my favorite. A pair of khaki shorts with a t-shirt and some sneakers. And, And here's the point of that. He did that because he is so intimately aware of me and my life that he cares about the details and he loves me. And so he unlocked the jail cell and he put his big hand in there and he said, Tara, let's go. And we walked out. And the vision continued on one by one by one until I walked out of every single jail cell. It was the love. It was the love of Jesus. 
There is no condemnation. There is no shame. There is no judgment. It was simply, child, come on. You don't belong here. And something shifted after that. I was free. There was no more darkness. There was no more cloud. There was no more being swallowed up with this heavy, dark cloud. There was no more being consumed with sin. You know what I'm talking about, where you can't quit thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? Whatever it is you're tempted with, you literally can't get away from it. Everything shifted after that moment. Everything. We're going to go home tomorrow. And for some of you, it'll be a wilderness compared to camp. We talked yesterday about sin being like vomit. Some of you are going to cave. And you're going to return to your vomit. And it's going to be disgusting. It will not change. And instead of doing the hard thing and leaning hard into Jesus and pursuing Jesus, you're literally going to go back and eat your vomit. I'm doing this to prove a point you have to understand the reality of what we're talking about it's disgusting and your sin will never satisfy your sin will never nourish you it will never feed you it will never truly fill the hole in your heart ladies there is no man on earth who will ever love you like Jesus Christ. And the sooner you figure that out, the better off you'll be. Men, pornography is a scam and a lie from the pits of hell, and it will destroy your life. Stop in Jesus' name. It's disgusting. It's vomit. And you get to choose how this thing plays out. I get to choose how I live my life when I go home. And the entire time that I'm sitting there tempted to eat my vomit because it's so appealing, because everyone's doing it, because sin is fun, and because it's way easier to cave into sin than it is to resist again and again and again, the more bound you're going to be. And do you really think that Jesus endured the brutality of the cross for you to stay bound? No. Absolutely not. What will your anthem be? I'll tell you what bound people can't do. Bound people can't worship Jesus. Bound people can't fully love Jesus. Bound people can't serve Jesus. Bound people can't number their days. Bound people will never be who God created them to be. It says in Psalm 23 that the Lord is our shepherd and he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. It's good. It is good food and there's a lot and there are seconds and thirds and fourths and fifths but the entire time you and I often sit in a dark little corner full of vomit eating it. There is so much more for you. So much more. And I can tell you these things because trust me, I'm one of the worst sinners on the planet. I don't have time to get into my story. But I, I've 
been around the block. But you know what? Jesus has forgiven me. And he has set me free. And the old has gone and the new has come. I've gone back to that row of prison cells. Remember from the vision? I've gone back there and you know what I found? The same cold, dark, dingy cell. There's nothing there. But here's what's different about that jail cell now. What's different is when I go in there. When I go back and visit that a sin that I enjoy. The door doesn't lock anymore. The door never closes. It's not like as soon as I step foot into that that I'm trapped again. Like I can freely go and freely leave as I please. But there's no life there. There's nothing there. there there's no attraction there. It's like a dead end. It's like a disappointment. I don't know if you've ever opened a gift that was like a disappointment. One time I opened a gift. It was a size medium. I've never in my life worn a size medium. Thank you to those of you in the crowd laughing. It was a size medium, navy blue, Tommy Hilfiger, Hilfiger, whatever, bathrobe. I, I just, you know, never been a bathrobe person. And not only was it a size medium, navy blue, Tommy Hilfiger bathrobe, it was a purse. A purse. You talk, I know. You talk about trying to fake some excitement. I'm like, oh, thank you. In my head, I'm like, I might be able to fit my left arm in the pocket on the front of the bathrobe. And I'd rather have what goes in. Anyway. Sin will never satisfy. And when we go back to those jail cells, they will never satisfy. Ask anyone in here who's ever broken an addiction. I've been clean and sober for about, um, I think, 11 years now. But I have. Hold on. Before you celebrate, hold on. But I've gone back and revisited that jail cell and participated in those things. I'm not proud of that. I'm just being very real with you. And you know what? They never satisfy. They never satisfy. It's as good as this right here. And it's pretty darn disgusting. And what it does is it separates me from the Father. It separates me from the one who loves me. It says in the scriptures that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Where's Bodhi at? See, all of you tonight have ropes on your hands. And it's to represent you being bound. But it really actually pales in comparison to the real thing. Because here's what happens. your thing and it's not just on your hands but the trap of sin 
is this. It's around your hands. It's around your mind. It's around your heart. It's around your feet. And you can't break free. You can't. You are completely powerless against the power and temptation of sin except for Jesus Christ. Because the reality of these handcuffs is there's no way I'm going to get them off. I would injure myself trying to break free. I would drive myself nuts if I were to bang it against the edge of a table. But it takes a key. And my friend Bodie happens to have the key. And because he has the key, he can come right up and as easily take it off me as he did put it on me. And here's what that picture is for you and I. There is one who has the key, and his name is Jesus Christ. And no power of hell, nothing on earth, no force of darkness can ever undo the work of Jesus Christ and the power of the cross. Because Jesus holds the keys for everything. And what I'm really trying to tell you tonight is God has done incredible things this week. I've seen it. I see it on your faces. Your faces are glowing. Man, worship was incredible tonight. You've had incredible conversations. But some of you are still bound. And don't think for one minute that just because you got saved, that it's going to be an easy road. If anything, it's going to get harder. And you're going to fall into temptation. You're going to fall into sin. You're going to get trapped. But the incredible news is this. Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. And he has the key and no one can stop Jesus so you and I get a choice tonight you and I get a choice tonight. here's what we're going to do all of you have rope on your hands and that rope represents a sin in your life 